Hi there, I'm Michael Costello, Managing Director of Workplace Evolution, and welcome back to the podcast. This podcast was an absolute pleasure to be involved in. A great debate and exploration of an exciting concept, the four-day week. We asked some very serious questions about where the workplace is heading. What would it mean to you if you could balance shareholder value and the needs of your employees? Pay for the value people add rather than their time in the office. What if there was a way to start winning the battle against an ever-growing mental health problem in this country? Not to mention the equality challenges, pressure on family, the aging population, and even the environment. Well, our guest on this podcast, Charlotte Lockhart, thinks that part of the solution is having more conversations, more research, and bolder decisions by businesses that will take us closer to a four-day week. I hope you enjoy it. If you do, please share it and like it. And of course, if you want to get involved, please get in touch and we'll try and get back to you. As always, check out the podcast notes for more information about this week's topic. So for now, over to the podcast. Okay, welcome to the podcast we have with us today Charlotte Lockhart, who's the CEO of Four Day Week Global, a community where all those interested in the four day week can connect, share ideas, and help create the movement. Charlotte is a business advocate, investor, philanthropist with more than 25 years of experience in multiple industries locally and overseas. As CEO of the Four Day Week Global campaign, Charlotte works promoting internationally the benefits of a productivity-focused and reduced-hour workplace. She's on the board of the newly created Wellbeing Research Centre at Oxford University and the advisory board of the US campaign for the four-day week. Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us. I know it's been incredibly busy time for you of late, but welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here. And you're, you're currently on tour at the moment. So wh- where have you been and, and where are you heading? So um, the last month we've sort of, we've been mostly here in London, uh, talking to various people and uh, connecting in. And then uh, on Wednesday, I'm off to New York, more four-day week there. And then uh, following that week, I'm in, um, in Dublin. And I'm also doing a presentation in Belfast. So we're going to have four-day week Ireland, both, uh, both Republic and North. And that's all confined within four days or you're going to need more time than that. Uh, what's your definition of work? <laughs> okay, well, we'll get, we'll get on to that. So let's start with, with, with the basics. It's a, fa- it's a fascinating movement. A, a lot of people are talking about it uh, at the moment in, in the workplace. Let's start off with a simple question. What is a four-day week exactly from your perspective? So from our perspective, it's really a conversation about how you uh, acknowledge via pay and generally, that's how we do with our workforce, um, productivity rather than time. And then having a conversation with workers that if they can do their role in less time but still remain as productive, then we can then value that and give them time. So the four-day week is a bit of a misnomer, really. We're talking about shorter working hours but on full pay. So it might be 
be a four day week. It might be five days, but reduced hours. It might look very different for different people. Um, in our organization, it's not even the same day off. So what my four day week looks like could be quite different from what your four day week or someone else's four day week looks like. But the premise is that it's uh, shorter working hours on full pay. And where do you think this has started to come from? What do you think has been the catalyst for this, these conversations about a four-day week? Well, I think specifically for us, it came down to the fact that Andrew read an, uh, an Economist article that said that productivity in the UK was rubbish uh, and, and even worse in Canada. And he began to wonder whether that was the case for our business. And therefore, if it was the case, if we could improve productivity in our workplace, could we actually then reward the staff with time? And so we ran our trial and then put that in place as a permanent way of working within our business. But it's come at a time when lots of other people are asking the same question. We recognise that socially our communities are falling apart because both parents are working, we're all far too stressed, we are ruining our planet, we have gender equality issues around pay and access to the C-suite. There are so many reasons why we're not just getting that last bit out for ourselves. And a lot of it comes down to the fact that we're just working too hard or we're just being paid for time, not what we achieve. So it's a conversation around changing the way we value um, value work and value our time and try and get ourselves more time away from work. It's been a question for the UK for quite a while and I know that you're involved in collaborating on behalf of the Commonwealth between the UK and, and New Zealand, which, which sounds very interesting. And, and it's this age-old question that we've had in the UK, it's, you know, why is it that we're down in terms of efficiency? I think, as you say, presenteeism is a, is a massive uh, challenge for, for many businesses, even though we've, we've known about the challenge for quite a long time. You, you mentioned Andrew there, and, and that's the backstory uh, in, in terms of uh, Four Day Week Global. Tell us a little bit about your business and, and where the initiative came from. Right. So our business is Perpetual Guardian, which is a trustee business in New Zealand. So... Uh, we've owned that business for a, a while now, and um, it, it was really it, that was the, the nexus of where we came with that. We are in the fortunate position that we don't have to work daily in the business, so our ability to be out there talking about four day week and supporting other businesses to become four day week has has come out of that. So when we had a successful trial, we um, we shared our success through our white paper, as, you, as you've mentioned. And through the sharing of what we've been doing, we've had a lot of people connect in with us saying, can I buy you a coffee? How do you make that work? What can you do? And of course, we don't sell four-day weeks. And so the, the conflict for a lot of businesses, when they put their heads above the parapet saying that they're doing this, of course, is the amount of coffee that they could humanly consume in a week. <laughs> So we decided that uh, since um, unlike most of the businesses that have done four-day week, we, are, we have the privilege of additional time. And so we thought that developing this community to enable 
four-day week people to socialize their ideas, uh, organizations to connect in. So the whole point of four-day week global is to, is this community is around people who are doing four-day week, people who want to do four-day week, researchers, journalists, um, lobby groups, governments, um, any, any sort of interested parties can be part of what we're trying to achieve here and therefore we can share ideas not only within a nation but internationally as well mm. and you know because this is realistically this is a way that the future of work will go it won't look entirely like this for everyone um, because my four-day week as I've said will look a little bit different from yours but we do recognize that with the advent of AI and mechanization and the, the, the where the workplace is going is we know that work will look different in the future. It must have been an incredibly bold move and decision from yourself and Andrew, a perceptual guardian, to, to go down the, the route of a, a four-day week. What, what were some mm -hmm. of the factors that you took into account? Well, I, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that Andrew's just mad. <laughs> um, and so certainly the management team thought it was, um, but I think that when you look at the you look at the things that a business can do to improve its results, the traditional way that a CEO and Andrew's not CEO, he's the owner, but you know the traditional way a CEO will will develop shareholder value is to cut costs and cut staff. It's a fairly well recognised model. Uh, it works for um, creating shareholder value. It doesn't really create a very engaged workplace. And I think we, we recognize that as employers, and we're being encouraged as employers, um, to be better than that. And so therefore, if you want to progress your business, you've got to look at how you will do that. And so instead of spending money and energy and time on how you cut here and slash there, Actually, we've just turned it around and we're spending time on how we build here and promote there. And any company that is doing four-day week, they'll all tell you that their productivity has gone through the roof or staff engagement is this and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. No one wakes up in the morning saying they want to come and work for a trustee company. So, But we now have the most engaged workplace probably in New Zealand. And people love coming to work for us, not because we do anything particularly sexy, because let's face it, we're a trustee company, um, but we are a fun place to work where people feel valued for what they achieve and they get paid for that. And they get paid in two ways. One is obviously with their full-time salary, but then the other is in time. And then they can choose to use that time yeah, or anything that they want. Yeah, fantastic. And, and I guess there's this age-old battle, isn't there, balancing the shareholders' needs and then your stakeholders' needs, which are which are your people. And I think mm. you're absolutely right. You know, a lot of businesses try to talk about getting their employees aligned to the mission, aligned to the to the vision. But if you're making widgets or, or whatever, sometimes you're just not going to be aligned. And it, it sounds like a pragmatic decision. Just to, let's invest, let's build, and let's get this work-life balance. Uh, back in the room. And, and I think that's a really interesting point because, of course, so you, we talk about getting um, employees engaged to, to something that's already in place, you know, a mission and values and all that. But if, if they're not things that they buy into, then they're never going to buy into. So what we did when we were started our trials, we actually we had no idea how to make a four-day week work in our business. 
and all of the leadership teams that really thought that Andrew was mad, as I previously mentioned. So what we did is we said to the staff, look, this is what we want to do. We have no idea how we would make it work. We need you to help us with it. And so that's where the gold is. This is a program that the employees have designed. And then it's been obviously signed off by management, but management hasn't had to design this program. It hasn't had to try and engage staff with something that they've decided that they want to have as a, as a good thing in the business. And so therefore, our four-day week for our staff is quite meaningful because they designed it. Wow. Two bold moves. We've, you've trialled it there at Perceptual Guardian. Where have trials of the four-day week been successful elsewhere, whether it be in New Zealand or, or, or further afield? So, well, so, so we, we're not only trialled it, but it, you know, it is a permanent way of working in our business. So that's um, something that, that continues on. Um, it's quite popular here in the UK. There's lots of businesses that are, uh, that are doing it. There's a few that have been doing it for a while. There's one business in London that's been doing it since 2015. Um, so as you previously mentioned it's it's not exactly a, a whole new idea um, but there are lots of businesses here it's become very fashionable since about the middle of last year so lots of businesses that are still still trialing or have just finished trialing most businesses find that when they start a trial their employees are so engaged with the idea that it's almost impossible to drop and so they they don't I was speaking to a business in Ireland the other day and he, he said you know that, that technically they're on a trial but he said we, we won't be dropping it because the staff won't let it and they're so engaged with the idea that they are they are working um as hard on this to make it happen and of course the pre-rider for making it happen of course is that productivity doesn't go down so if your staff are just as engaged to keep productivity at the level that you need it to be because they get a genuine benefit that they truly value then that's a win for both sides so um, and then there are successful programs in australia there are a few in europe and there are a couple of very successful businesses in the u.s each market has its own foibles based upon labor legislation and, and the way that, that culturally work fits in. But, you know, everyone's giving it a go. Great. So could we get into the, the, the detail then of the benefits of some of the initiatives, uh, whether it be in Australia, the UK or, or New Zealand? Well, so, so if you look at, you know, what are the things that we, that five days of work is doing to us? If you look at the family structure we have now, both parents work, children are being brought up in care from, what, between three and six months uh, of age. Um, and you, the family life is evolve, revolves around both parents trying to, to earn enough or to career advance themselves enough. If we take a day of work out of that for a family, it makes a huge difference in terms of the way the family can function. Some of our staff still work five days, but leave to pick children up from school. So if you're picking your children up from school, what does that do for family cohesion and, and you're doing school, um, after school activities and homework? You are not paying after school childcare costs. So it's actually quite magnificent, the amount of value that it brings back for a family. But then, you know, so it, 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 
having a four-day week that allows us to be better at who we are. Can I visit my elderly parents um, without feeling rushed? Can I get all of my home administration done? That doesn't mean I'm trying to squeeze it all on the weekends. Uh, can I mean, we've got a measles outbreak in New Zealand at the moment, um, and, and arguably some of that comes down to the anti-vaccine community, but a lot of it you know, doesn't, isn't accredited to that. So is it accredited to the fact that parents just simply haven't got time to be disciplined enough with their vaccination schedules for their children? What is this volume of work that we are doing? And work, of course, isn't just the nine to five that I'm warming a seat at your office, but it's the time I spend getting to work and the time I spend getting home from work. Mm. And the time I spend clearing my emails when the children have gone to bed and the times, you know, when I wake up and, and clear my emails first thing, because, of course, my phone is my email and also my alarm clock. Yeah. yeah. So actually the conversation we're having with our staff is actually how can you be the best in work but also the best out of work? We know that mechanisation and AI are going to take work hours from people and they're going to require us to have a different skill set and so that's all fine for our young ones who are going through school at the moment and we all recognize that what they're learning now won't actually have any relevance to a job that they might have in five years time but how does that fit for your average 30 year old 40 year old 50 year old and when do we have time to retrain well, if you're working less hours then you can spend a day learning a new skill uh, whether that be specific to your career or even just something that you enjoy. Yeah, yeah, uh, that sounds, uh, um, you know, very akin to, um, I was uh, rereading Stephen Covey's Seven Habits. I know it's an old book. It's been around for a long time. It talks about our day-to-day -day life being, uh, the, the need to prioritize things in our life Absolutely. between uh, urgent and important. And it's very often that we sacrifice the, yeah, things that are high in importance and low urgency. And, uh, and that's what it sounds like you're describing things around society, family, uh, self-investment as well. You know, our Absolutely. own learning. Absolutely. And, and, and then there's the whole mental health issue. We know that 15 million workdays are lost to work-related stress in the UK alone. Um, and that's a year, you know, so, so what is that doing to the economy? But more importantly, how many broken hearts sit behind all of that? So we know that we can't keep working the way we do. If we have a workplace that revolves around shorter hours, then people who are struggling to work a five-day week will be able to engage with work more. How would it be if you are struggling, whether it be with a mental health or physical health issue, that you worked Monday, Tuesday, had a day off, and then worked Thursday, Friday? You know, so it's not about having Fridays off. It's about having a work schedule that enables you to engage at the higher level. Yeah. The biggest one for me, of course, is the gender pay gap. We have women, uh, mostly women. It's men too now, but, you know, mostly returning mothers who will negotiate time off and a salary sacrifice for that. But it is well known that the women that return to work on shorter time hours give the business just as much value as they would uh, if they were working full time. So as women were asking the wrong questions, 
I'm asking, can I have time off and can, will you pay me 80% to do that? But what if I said, so you've got an 80% role, that's to explain to me what that workload is. What does the 100% role look like? And if I did the 100% role, would you give me full pay? Mm. So actually understanding how we negotiate what we're doing and how we create an exciting place to work that means that we feel valued for what we're doing. Why should a company pay somebody less but get as much from them? Mm. So these are the conversations that we're having. And then, then the converse of that, and very excitingly, of course, is if we allow more of our men folk, you all you men folk out there, mm-hmm. if we allow more of our men to actually take work uh, that's at that slightly shorter pace. And so therefore, actually, in our, in our organisation, sometimes I talk about parents picking children up from school, it's the fathers doing it. It's the fathers taking a day off and being able to do the home administration. It's the fathers that have that choice. We have a, a, a senior manager in, in our, one of our leadership team who tells a story about picking his son up from school for the first time. And his son comes running out, wraps his arms around his father's legs and says, Daddy, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, so, so, so the gender pay gap and the access to the C-suite and all those things is not just about what happens for women. It's actually what happens for men too. So it's a really interesting question uh, that an employer or woman would, would have to ask their employer about that, what the difference would, would be between the 80% and, and the 100%. Well, and this is one of the things I really encourage women is to be careful what they're negotiating and to use their, you know, use their skills to negotiate something that's better for them. It's such a, an attractive concept, but it does fuel debate. And I was, you're right in terms of, you know, artificial intelligence. So we're being often bombarded by notifications and having to uh, integrate our work with uh, social media so much more. Is it the case that we're trying to force a stop in a way with a four-day week, that, that actually we're our own worst enemy and, and that we get sucked into all of this activity and reactive nature and that the four-day week is really trying to just force something in for people? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, I, mean, I was talking to uh, one of the women who, who whose company does four-day week uh, and they, they take Mondays off. She uh, very interestingly decided that if she was to take Fridays off, then she'd get to the end of Thursday. If she still had things to do, she'd go, oh, never mind. I'll just finish that off on Friday mm-hmm. and get a little bit done. And, of course, you're not having the Friday off. But she felt if you worked through till the end of Friday, you would, you would have better permission to take uh, Monday off. But it still took her, so she introduced four day week in her business in January. It still took her through till July to apply that self to, that to herself, not just her staff. And, uh, and further to that, of course, she had to exercise some real self discipline around sending emails to her staff outside of work hours and outside of their work hours because, of course, the staff would reply straight away. And so it's a two-edged sword. Am I sending you emails, not expecting you to reply, but then when you receive them, you reply. And so we're creating that for ourselves. And so our conversation around productivity in the office and time away from the office also includes how do we 
create a valid customer service experience so the customers are not feeling that like they're missing out and are still serviced on, on you know within the hours that they're expecting but actually how do we also then only engage with the urgent and important and not necessarily deal with the things that you know when it's outside of standard work hours rather than dealing with stuff that is actually not urgent and not important but i'm dealing with it anyway because the email's on my phone yeah so i guess picture this then are you saying that a manager may well be having a performance management conversation with their direct report and actually give their difficult message would be listen you're you're working too many hours and i'm concerned that this is impacting your mental health your family time uh, and your efficiencies is that what you're saying well absolutely and it could also go the other way where the employee could say stop sending me emails on sunday yeah. afternoon yes absolutely right I, I think that's if if the business is sending out this message and really trying to take take it take it forward then yeah it's got to be two-way uh, it is it's 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 a collaboration it, yeah. it is something, it, it, no solution to short, working shorter hours is management or leadership led and no solution is employee, entirely employee led. This is a way that a business works from the lowest of positions to the highest of positions. Mm. And, and just on a, another point on the benefit, those that have either trialed or have it as a, on a permanent basis, do they find that it attracts talent and the, the right talent? Does it become a bit of a, a magnet, magnet for certain organisations when they're recruiting? Well, it does, actually. John Nash, who's been, uh, who has a recruitment company in London, uh, and he's been doing it since 2015, was saying that he... And recruitment is dog-eat-dog dog in terms of keeping staff. Uh, he's not had any st turnover since 2015. Yeah. Um, and if you, if, uh, there's a company uh, in the States called Basecamp, which is, works in IT, and they were constantly le losing people to the likes of Google and Facebook and things because they were a very fashionable place to go work uh, and, you know, look good on the CV. But when you put something like this in place, it actually becomes something that people truly value. Now, it's not going to suit everybody. If you, if you want to work, if you want to be Elon Musk and work a ridiculous number of hours and you can join Jack Maher on that, the, the four-day week is not for you. And, and I'm not saying that everybody should do a four-day week, but the four-day week works for most people. For most people, we can't change the world. We just don't want to kill ourselves, our yeah. family, our society, our climate. I mean, we haven't even talked about how our... Um, constant need for consumption and 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 um and going to work every day is impacting on our climate if we had a four-day week in the u.s it would take 10 million cars off the road every day mm. so it's you know that's incredible in terms of what we might do these other elements if you've got less people in an office you've got less power less you know less office space there's a whole pile of consumption that goes with production that it could actually be reduced you would have math I mean, imagine taking 20 percent of cars off the road in any of the large cities in the uk you the traffic movement would be incredibly efficient 
it would reduce pollution and we would get goods and services moved more easily and we could be more productive because everything didn't take so long to be delivered or accessed or you know it didn't take you so long to get there yeah, I, I, I certainly, I, I will come on to uh, politicians very shortly, but we have our environmental targets, so do the US, so, so do China, so I can I can see how the four-day week uh, is a conversation that certainly needs to be started. Uh, so I think you'll have been asked this question a few times, you know, is the four-day week for everyone, and what are some of the difficulties and what are some of the difficulties that business might encounter in implementing a four-day week? So I, I, I truly do believe that the four-day week is, is for everyone. It just won't be easy for every business and everyone. But there are, you know, as, as I'm, so back to my point, I'm, I don't want to stop. If you want to work uh, 100 hours a week, it's not my job to stop you to do that. I want to provide a workplace that helps people who don't want to work 100 hours a week. However, we also recognize that if you want to work 100 hours a week, that might work well for a portion of your career time, but in reality, it isn't a healthy way to work. And so actually having alternatives to go to and alternatives to look at is really important. There are industries where it will be a challenge. People say it'll never work in medicine. It actually would work in medicine. It just would be hard to implement my question to you is do you want to be operated on by the surgeon who's been working six days in a row and 12 day shifts or do you want to be work to be operated on the, the surgeon who works four days in a row or four, you know four days at a time so the health outcomes for our uh, community would be so much more improved if we actually worked less in our doctors and nurses and, and the people who treat us actually got appropriate rest and could provide us with appropriate care. 240,000 people die each year in the US because of a medical uh, misadventure due to stress, uh, overwork uh, and tiredness. Mm. So, that, you know, those, and they come down to misdiagnosis. I mean, there are, these stories are in the press all the time. People have been misdiagnosed, not diagnosed, given the wrong treatment, not treated fast enough. All of those things come down to human error in many ways. And so actually, if we have a well-rested medical fraternity, would we get better medical outcomes for our community? I think we probably would. Mm. It's not, it's, that's my very unscientific view, but it's not hard to see how that would be the case. Would we need more doctors and nurses and care people? Absolutely. There's no denying that there wouldn't be an initial cost. But then if your community is much healthier in, in, you know, in the long term, then that cost would be significantly made back by the fact that you've got a whole pile of people who are actually just doing better in society. Absolutely. So, so there's a longer term sustainable viewpoint here. I think that was going to be my uh, question. We've looped, looped back down to your politician question then now, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we, if we take the NHS, for example, in the UK, under a massive amount of strain and, and pressure, already uh, limited in terms of its resources on, on nurses and, and doctors, um, you, you preempted my next 
question really around that. I think you know governments do need to look longer term, uh, and the hidden benefits. There are so many obvious benefits, but the hidden benefits here as well. You know, we're having to invest so much in, in mental health and well-being, mm. for, for example, as well. So, I, I I would concur with with that point. If you've got 15 million days being lost in the economy because of mental health or workplace stress then that, there's an economic benefit to that. But how many of those people are ending up in the NHS? There's, it's an intangible that, we're, that we've got to pin down then, I guess, for, as part of the four-day week. There are a lot of intangibles and further research that needs to be done, do you think, Charlotte? To, to oh, re- absolutely. I mean, there, you know, there, 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 is, there is gallons of search and, uh, research. I mean, so we, we, um, we do research with our research partners in New Zealand, Auckland University and Auckland University of Technology. We also, as you mentioned in my introduction, on the board of the Wellbeing Research Centre at Oxford University at Saad Business School. Uh, so this is, was set up this month, actually. Um, and so, and they are specifically looking into productivity and, and well-being and the likes in the workplace. Uh, there is. Uh, so we have set up a foundation in New Zealand and we're setting up a foundation here in the UK. And the idea is that we want to create uh, income into that foundation that, and, and through that we will fund research into this. Uh, there is other great research being done independently anyway and we would like to support that. Um, and by being able to have a global conversation around and connecting up all of the research that is being done into this so we have a you know, a repository of everything and all of the advice that's being given out there, then that will help governments to make the bold decisions. It will help businesses to make that leap of faith and how we create that moving forward um you know is to be determined mm. well I, I remember probably two or th- th- maybe more three or four years ago ed Miliband proposing the four-day week or, or certainly discussing it uh, mm. when i first heard about it i thought well that that's just a vote winner maybe that was my kind of cynical viewpoint at the time We've touched on this a, a little, but what are the big questions that this the four-day week raises for politicians and businesses that need answers? Well, for businesses, of course, shareholder return is, is by and large, the main issue. Uh, and so, therefore, as more and more businesses come on to the four-day week, that question becomes answered quite nicely. And we need more independent research to validate that because most of the research that's or most of the information that's out there is actually um, reasonably small businesses going my productivity has gone through the roof and that's not to say that it hasn't but it needs to be independently verified for larger organizations and for for more businesses to follow and and the other thing for business of course is that you can't just suddenly launch a four-day week you have to have the right culture within your business and so not every business would be able if it was turned around tomorrow not every business would be able to do it because culturally they're not in the right space um i would be very reluctant to and 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 obviously this is this is something that the labor party here in the uk uh, and the union movement around the world is very keen on but I would be very reluctant to have it legislated as a four-day week because you don't solve the problems 
around productivity. You don't solve the problems around um, how my four-day week might look very different from your day, four-day week. So the sort of legislation we need out there is, um, is, 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 is merely enabling business to take this route and not be penalised or encouraging it to take this route, encouraging businesses through, the, through various legislative mechanisms that soften a bit of law here or toughen a bit of law here, you know, because business wants flexibility. It needs flexibility in the modern world. And we hear all sorts of buzzwords around agile and gig and all that sort of thing. And if we don't have a, an ability to create a flexible workforce or workplace for, uh, for business, it will choose agile. It will choose gig. And the problem not so much, I mean, Agile's a sort of poorer sister of Gig, but the reality is Gig is insidious and it takes away the workers' rights to holiday pay and sick pay and investment in their future and superannuation and the ability to be treated with dignity. And it replaces it with this joy of being self-determinant as to when I work, which of course you don't. You merely work when the gig op operator has work for you and you have to work on the terms that they offer it to you. So it's not the same as consultancy, which in our heads we use people, I'm a consultant, sounds actually quite significant, but if you're an Uber driver, I'm feeling sure, fairly sure you're not feeling so significant. So... If we don't allow a better way of working for business, it will choose quite naturally and quite lazily um, ways of creating that flexible working that don't protect the workers. And if we believe that we want to be a kind-hearted society that pays taxes and supports people when they're down and has worker protection, and let's face it, people have died to give us a society with the worker protections that we have in place now. So if we're going to honour any of that, we actually have to look at how do we create a more flexible way of working that suits the workers and the workforce, sorry, the, the business and the workforce, but still maintains those protections that we want to have in place. You know, there, there is probably going to be a pushback or a negative perception or even a, a bias to the four-day week. Uh, the, you know, the great British taxpayer uh, putting his or her money into the NHS or the civil service or, or, or whatever, it, whatever it might be. Um, what message would you give out to, to them uh, if, if it was met with kind of skeptical, a skeptical response of some sort? Look, the reality is that we want our taxes to be paid in the most efficient... We, want, we pay our taxes, we accept that we're doing that, we're a society that pays taxes. And we grumble about tax here and there, but on the whole, we accept that this is the way we get things done. So therefore, are we getting things done in the most efficient and, and, and effective way? And so if working five days a week and working long hours is determined as being an inefficient way of working... Why would I want my taxes spent on that? I want my taxes spent on things that are efficient, 
So we know this when we, we're looking at our local councils and we're looking at the way we construct things in, in, in other forms of tax. I want, my, I want my taxes spent efficiently. I want a road built properly. I want schools to this and that. Well, why would I throw it away on a system that is basically broken? Yeah, great message. Thank you for that. Final challenging question. Uh, is the four-day week only available to those that can afford it? So some people just, you know, they have to work all the hours that God, God sends them. Um, is it really just something for those on a high income that have that flexibility and choice rather than those who are on a lower, lower income, lower wages? No, because don't forget, I'm still paying you your full-time wage for less time. So we have a, a principle we call the 180-100 principle. I'm going to pay you 100% of your income for 80% time as long as 100% productivity is achieved. So actually, it's not about uh, paying someone less. It's about allowing them the dignity of being paid what they're worth and, um, and encouraging them to, have, to, to be truly worth that. So, um, you know, you talk about, you know, encouraging in a workforce into, into, into a workplace because we offer this. We get great staff coming to work for us because they want to be working in somewhere where they are valued. But it's not, you know, no one says it's going to be easy, but it's certainly achievable. Okay, thank you for that. And when you trialled and it became permanent uh, in your own organisation, Perceptual Guardian, what did the employees do with their additional time off? Oh, well, I mean, obviously for parents, it was a fairly easy answer. Most of them spent more time with their children or, or with family, um, act, you know, activities. We have, pet, we have staff who spend more time with um, elderly parents. We have staff learning yoga and, and languages and um, a, a career advancement skills. We have staff that just take the time to think. There are staff who've set up a little bit of a, you know, a business on the side, uh, giving themselves an ability to, to, to be, you know, to do something for themselves. Uh, painting, as someone's taken up painting. I, there was a woman the other day that I was talking to who's taking sewing lessons and doing something that she'd always wanted to do. Mm. Um, we uh, there is a, there is a, a, a slight skew towards for for men often what they find when they get a four day week and and the missus is not on four day week, she turns into Mrs Schindler so he gets his day off and she turns up with her list. Right. Uh, so but if you but but you know families are finding that or you know that they can get those things done we had one gentleman who was building a house and it would just so suited him to be able to have wednesdays off because then he knew he had a day where he could meet builders and plumbers and and workmen to to get things done so the the, the we have a number of our staff who go and work in charitable organizations or in community groups and because of the way that New Zealand's legislation is, we actually have to accrue leave on the 40 extra days we give our staff a year. So we ask them when they opt into our four-day week productivity program that they donate a day, a quarter, to charity or a community program. Um, so we're actually putting a 1,000 person days back into the community every year. Wow. And that, what would that look like if we had organisations with, you know, five or 10,000 employees? How many 
person days are going back into our communities if we did that. Wow. So many, so many uh, positives, so many benefits. I feel like I'm, I'm challenging to almost help with the conversation. I can notice with with the benefits you cited. You, you mentioned the one person. You know, they put they had a business on the side. Yes. Do you have to? And that's and you got choice, right? And that's that's great. That is Absolutely. Fantastic. Do you have a responsibility as the manager to kind of keep an eye on on that person that's you know decided with their free day to take on more kind of office work? Well, it depends whether it's office work or not. I mean, generally, if someone started a bit of a side thing, that, that it's something that they're wholly passionate about. It's something they feel they have a particular skill set for. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, you know, when we talk about productivity in the workplace and we talk about shortening hours, if you think about how your day is, if you, if you have a day where you've got a you know a bit of a to-do list, bit of Stephen Covey back to what you were saying before, you've got things that you want to try and achieve in the day, you've got projects you want to get finished. If you have a very productive day and you achieve quite a lot in that day, you even on a shorter time, you get to the end of the day and you you know go home, you go, sweetie, how was your day? I had a great day today. I got all this done. I had a fabulous day. If you have a day where time is whittled away on things that don't quite get finished and you never feel like you get anywhere with anything, you get to the end of the day, you might have worked exactly the same number of hours. Sweetie, how was your day? Oh, I don't know. It was just a bit of this, a bit of that. You don't get that self-satisfaction that comes from it. So if somebody's got you know, something on the side, there's a theory that it's topping them up. It's making them feel as if they've got something of value for themselves. Yeah. So, so an efficient day is, is an engaging day, I guess. Okay. Thank you very much for that. Uh, I do have, uh, you didn't see this beforehand, but tradition on the podcast is we have a, a, a true or false workplace evolution oh. quiz. So sure. This is on okay. work patterns. Yes. Okay. Kind of related to, there's not many four-day week fascinating facts out there. But these are true, true or false questions. So if you're ready, we'll we'll get going. There's four four questions this time. So true or false? According to researchers at Columbia University Medical Center, lengthy sessions at your desk are essential to get the job done. And the, the longer you sit at your desk, the more efficient you become in your work and likable to your colleagues. Do you reckon that's true, Charlotte, or false? That sounds like hogwash to me. <laughs> yeah, false. False. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the centre, they actually likened lengthy sessions at your desk to smoking. Yes. Check this out. So employees who were stationary for 12 hours a day were twice as likely to die prematurely as those who were inactive for 11 and a half hours. That's crazy. Uh, anyway, yeah. the point is... Yeah. This study adds to the growing literature on how dangerous long periods of sitting are for our health and underscores a growing awareness among clinicians and researchers that sitting really is the new smoking. Uh, quite, you know, so there's a serious, when I read that, there's a serious undertone, isn't there? This presentation that we mentioned. Mm, absolutely. And, when, and we know we can't concentrate for that sort of length of time anyway. So you're absolutely not being productive before you're doing a sitting in front of your computer screen. Okay, one down, three to go. 
Following an analysis of 85,494 workers from the UK, Denmark, Sweden and Finland, the University of College highlighted an increased risk of heart problems among those workers who put in regular overtime. True or false? That's probably true. Yeah, it's too detailed, isn't it, to be false? Uh, yeah, you're right. Published in the... But even still, even still, we, we just, you know, it's the same thing as we were discussing before. We know that you need to have breaks. We know that the human body needs to have time to recover. Those that worked 55 hours or more per week were about 40% more likely to develop heart complications in the following well, 10 years. Wow, that's quite, that's, and that's actually, if you think about it, 55 hours is not a lot compared with what we, you know, lots of people are working. It's there, there'd be a significant portion of the population doing that. Yeah, okay, on to the next one. Uh, people who regularly work more than 11-hour days more than double their chances of major depression as compared to employees who typically work about eight hours a day. True or false? Yep. That would be true. Yeah, we're well, being very honest here. Uh, long working hours are likely to be related to less time to relax and less sleep as well, according to the, this is the Finnish Institute of Occupational Health in Helsinki, the world famous. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I've not heard of them, but it's interesting. The, the, the quote here from the researcher Mariana Bittenen, she says, it is also possible that excessive working hours results in problems with close relationships, which may in turn trigger depression. Absolutely. I mean, we, you know, we, are a, we are a species that likes to be part of a herd. And so when you isolate ourselves, we isolate ourselves from our herd, whether that be just a significant other or our families, that's absolutely, work would do that. Mm. It does do that. Talk about being focused on the urgent important and not the, the, the low urgency and high importance thing, things again, particularly your family. Uh, okay, uh, next one we have here. According to Cass Business School, from time to time it is worthwhile disregarding the health warnings and recognising that work, effort, overtime and intensive work effort will always result in positive career-related outcomes. True or false? Well, always is a very strong word, right? <laughs> but we do know, I mean, the reality is that in our current, the, what currently the way we construct work is that if you want to be partner at somewhere like EY or somewhere, you know, think you get you, the, the current way we construct that is to have you work really long hours and that's what career advances you. Is that the way that we want to construct our society moving forward? Good question. Well, uh, you're being very diplomatic, but uh, it's made up. They didn't say that, but they did do research around it. Certainly, you know, disregarding health warnings and recognising that work effort will lead to career positive career-related outcomes isn't true. So mm. this is really, really interesting. Um, data from around 50,000 employees from 36 European countries in a variety of industries, researchers found that more work effort actually predicted reduced well-being and career-related outcomes. Mm. Well, of course, to, 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 have a you know, to have a great career uh, outcome, you also have to be healthy and you also have to be mentally healthy. 
So if you are working too hard and you're not actually giving yourself those abilities, the ability to actually hold it together, then I imagine it's probably also going to affect you. You know, and we're all. It's hard to you know if you're if you've got you're working too hard and your family's falling apart around your ears. But hard not to take that to work as well. Yeah. Uh, I'll put the uh, I'll put the research in the uh, podcast notes. Even the researchers themselves, they said we we were somewhat surprised to find that work effort, whether overtime or work intensity, did not predict any positive outcomes for employees. It's very counterintuitive, isn't it? It's like if we went back fifty years ago, whatever our, our grandparents were farming or working in that you know um, real industrial uh, environment. You know, the more work you put in, the more productivity you got out. But we're in the information age now, and that the, the world's changed. So it's kind well, of battle that it, we're it, and it's some of these questions I talk about. You know, trying to be a partner at a you know major uh, accountancy practice, but um, and and there is some school of thought around: can you be a top doctor without actually? putting in the hours and you know seeing enough patients to get enough experience and this is of course the conundrum around how we counter some of that but just because some people want to be a top doctor or a partner at a major law firm or accountancy practices doesn't mean that actually everybody else wants to do that and so you know there you know it is likely that there are there are uh, uh, environments where it will be hard for a four-day week to be done. Doesn't mean we shouldn't offer it to everybody else where it will be easy. Okay, thank you for completing the quiz. That's either three or four out of uh, four because uh, of the diplomatic final answer. I might top it. Oh, absolutely. I was very diplomatic with that. <laughs> uh, so that that reaches at the end of the podcast, Charlotte. I, I know that you're a. Uh, a frequent speaker, you're on tour right now, uh, talking to, you talk about leadership, philanthropy and investment issues as well. Uh, from my perspective, bring on the research, you know, bring on more conversations around the four-day week. Where can listeners find out more about the concept and where can they go for help and guidance on the four-day week? So uh, they can go to uh, www.4dayweek, that's the number four, dayweek.com. Um, and so that's our sort of main repository of, of where we sit. We are also launching um, a network of consultants around the world. That program will be in place by the uh, early new year. And so therefore there will be consultants. If you wanted to, to make a four-day week work in your business, we will have consultants that will be able to help you with that. And they will also be able to accredit you as a genuine four-day week employer. Obviously, part of the risk that we have is that people will jump on this pretending to be something that they're not. We don't really want to slip into that. So we've got that coming. And then, yeah, there's another surprise for you around the corner. It'll be announced at the end of next week. So keep your eyes and ears on that and check out the website. Wow. On that bombshell. Incredible. Thank you for the, for that, Charlotte. So it, an incredibly insightful uh, and thought-provoking conversation. Um, but you know, thank you so much for your time, Charlotte. It's really, really appreciated. So thanks again, CEO of Four Day Week, Charlotte Lockhart. Bye.